calculation have to get staked for the holder to benefit from the actual utility. And with us having roughly two to 300 um, unique investors on every single project and potentially with everyone staking multiple NFTs, we will see that, you know, and it's very difficult to predict this, but I think we're going to see like probably around like 50% of the NFTs in circulation getting staked. So now you have um, of whatever amount gets minted or gets airdropped, you know, half of that is probably going to get out of, get taken out of circulation rather quickly. So that only leaves half of what has been distributed to actually be traded on the secondary market. And now it comes down to did we actually pick the right holders? So who is going to trade the NFT on secondary market? Who is actually even willing to sell the NFT? And then who is willing to sell at which price? And then the question is, who the one buying the NFT, is he going to buy it so he can stake it, so he can increase the multiplier, for example? Or is he going to buy the shark, for example, to always get a guaranteed allocation? Or is he going to buy the whale NFT? And, and you know, I honestly don't think that we will see many of those on the market. But, you know, is, is someone buying the wild NFT to get the super high um, allocation sizes? So I think over time, what we will see with the setup is that mo more and more NFTs are going to get taken off the market. And I think this allows us to start out with a very healthy floor price because the floor price is not getting destroyed by people who are looking for a flip or by people who are just minting with the expectations of making a certain profit and then them, you know, selling once a certain number is reached. I think this is a, a, a mechanism which allows us to establish the value first. And, and with that value, with the floor price, comes a certain level of prestige, which is going to allow us to position VVV as something that's actually, actually be uh, something that actually has earned certain degree of respect in the crypto space. Because I think everyone is going to look at us differently if we have a collection live with a 5 ETH draw than when we're just uh, a project which hasn't even been minted yet. And I think that prestige is going to attract a lot more interest. And that interest allows us to put more people at the top of the funnel of the member screening. And therefore, over the course of the next weeks and months, allow us to qualify more new holders for capable additions to the community. And let, let me explain this to you in a, in a little bit more um, practical manner. So now we have uh, 3,700 NFTs still locked up in the vault, right? And now there will probably, probably be uh, a lot of interest of buying the NFT. And now the question is, what happens to the NFTs which are locked up in the vault? And the concept which I've come up with, and you know, I, I invite everyone who's listening to find something that's wrong about that concept or to find something within that concept which is exposing any of the original minters to any vulnerability. So now we have those 3,700 NFTs locked up and we have a certain amount of nfts which are getting traded at floor price so let's just assume that the floor price is five ETH. now what i want to do is i want to have the phase two mint so to speak lined up for let's say first of august and i'm just making up the, the date i, I haven't uh, uh, definitively decided on the date yet but let's say we have the uh, phase two mint on august 1st right now, my idea would be that the phase two mint happens at whatever is 20% of the current floor price, which would mean, let's say the floor price is five ETH, then phase two mint would be at one ETH. And now the big question is, how do you prevent someone now minting at one ETH and then trying to sell the NFT at 5 ETH, right? And then dumping and, you know, listing at 4.9 ETH, 4.8 and, you know, and so on until you reach like 1.5 and then someone finally cashes out with 0.5 ETH uh, profit. 
And the mechanic is very simple. So if someone wants to participate in the phase two mint, first of all, they have to qualify to actually, you know, be regarded as a value add to the community as a member. So now let's say they get past that hurdle. What they have to do now is in order to, to mint, they will have to pay 100% of the floor price. So they pay 100% of the floor price. They pay 5 ETH for the NFT. But now they get the NFT. And now if they stake that NFT for 12 months, they will get a refund of 80% of what they just paid for the NFT. Meaning they paid 5 ETH to participate in the phase two mint, but they get repaid for ETH for staking the NFT. So now what, what, actually, what actually has happened here? Someone qualified to be a member. Someone bought the NFT essentially for one ETH, for 20% of the floor price. And that someone has enough faith in the project where he also immediately has taken off the NFT off the market and has foregone the ability to take that profit, to take that delta between one ETH and five ETH and has shown that he has faith that the NFT, which he just bought for one ETH, is either going to be worth more after those 12 months, i.e. he's you know, expecting to for the floor price of 5 ETH to hold up, or he's at least expecting for the floor price not to drop down to below 1 ETH, or he's, you know, he's willing to take the risk, but he sees more value of the value he's getting over the course of the next 12 months from that NFT. And I think that's a super way to identify that if someone qualifies as a member of the community, whether or not they're actually real whether they just qualified because they want to take the delta and the profit between one and five ETH, or if they actually are convicted enough to play the long game and be subject to that 12, uh, 12 months lockup period in which they then can also uh, benefit from the actual utility. And they, you know, after 12 months, they can also benefit from the uh, potential uh, value increase of the NFT. The, the kicker here is that anyone coming in in phase two they will only ever be able to sell after you so no one who is coming in in late will have any opportunity to dump on you it's it's the the exact it's the exact way uh, around someone who's coming in, in late is subject to the risk of someone who has been an early minter and who has locked up the nft to potentially dump after six months or after 12 months on whoever came in in phase two. And the thing to keep in mind here is, let's say we have the floor price of 5 ETH and phase two mint price would be 1 ETH. All of you guys, and, and I have to adjust the, the, the ETH price here, but you know, all of you guys have minted in, uh, at a much, much lower mint price than the phase one minters. Excuse me. Every one of you in the phase one has minted in a substantially lower price at those guys in phase two. Meaning everyone who's coming in late is also increasing the value of your NFT because they paid like two or three X over your initial mint price. So with them being willing to mint at a much higher price than you guys, you know, they indirectly increase the value of the entire collection as well. Even if they get that discount on the floor price, they still have to qualify for it first. And then even if they get it, they still only are able to sell after you guys. So if someone after 12 months of the launch has the, you know, the feel that we will not continue to provide the same value or that we, you know, maybe you lose faith in the project or maybe you just don't want to invest anymore, then you will be the first one who is going to benefit from the uh, delta between your mint price and the current floor price. And then the likelihood is that the floor price is going to be higher with the phase two minters included than if they had never minted because these guys have uh, brought up the average mint price um, by a substantial amount. But let me take a moment um, to scroll through the chat history here to see if I have explained this um, properly. 
And if there are any questions. Stroud, do you see any questions which we have to answer? Uh, yeah, let me take a look. I think there was one I missed. Sorry, I was uh, typing back to one of the projects in the pipeline. Um, yeah, no problem. So someone was asking, will there be ways to earn more NFTs later? Um, I think so, yes. But the priority will be on getting new people in. I'm not really... So everyone already had like a, you know, a couple of weeks to get on the... Um, you know, to either get on the on the multi-man sheet by holding uh, a quantum pass and you know, Tokyo Citizen, for example, or you know, there will be a couple of announcements soon where you know a couple of people have provided a lot of value to the community. They will get additional NFTs. They will be able to mint more than just one. Um, but after the phase one mint, the focus is really just about expanding the community with additional brain power and with additional high-caliber people. It's not really about, um, you know, getting all those NFTs out to the current holders. I don't think that's really valuable uh, for the community or for the, for the growth of what we build. All right. Um, let me take a look into my notes. Yeah. Okay. So Kirby's, Kirby Gives Tips has been um, elaborating on helping um, current members to pass the Series 65 process of getting accredited in the US. Um, I think, let me just, uh, you know, talk this through internally because of, you know, potential legal implications, but I wouldn't be opposed um, to creating a new channel for you guys um, where you can help others to pass um, that process. Yeah, so Squabba is saying, um, He's trying to figure out how to maximize the multiplier. Um, you know, that's one of the uh, mechanics of um, actually having secondary sales is I want, you know, ideally all of those NFTs on the secondary market from, from you know, in quotes. And, and by the way, you know, there's no shame. Let's say the, the value of the NFT becomes so high that you know the, the the money you would get in return is life changing for some of you. Then you know obviously go ahead and sell the NFT. I, I'm not holding any grudges against any of the the people who might eventually end up selling. But what I'm saying is that my intention with the current setup is to get as many NFTs off the secondary market as possible through the people either wanting to increase their multiplier or wanting to hold a shark or a whale, for example. So that's the the plan here with the current setup. And now let, let me just um, briefly reiterate the, the benefits of the concept which I've just explained. So first of all, it's a great deal for the new members. You know, if the existing floor price is 5 ETH, and if they can essentially buy in at a 20% discount with the caveat of a, of a 12 months lockup, it, it's a super deal for them because the risk for them to make a loss on that, that deal is rather low because they bought in at a 80% discount of the actual uh, price of the, of the NFT. And then they also have the benefits, obviously, and that should be the main driver for them um, pursuing that, and we will make sure through the member screen that it's actually true. They have the benefits of participating in our VVB um, Season 1 collection without having to buy the NFTs on the, secondary, on the secondary market for the full price. And, you know, the way we can assure that having that mechanism in place is not going to reduce the value of the NFT on the secondary market is that by having a phase two mint, there will be zero new NFTs on the secondary market. So it's not going to dilute what's in circulation. Because everyone who's buying in is immediately taking everything out of circulation again. So I think um, the whatever floor price is in place is not going to change because of that mechanism. And I don't think that the phase two um, mint, you know, in quotes, mint, has any chance of um, detrimental effect on what is built by the phase one. So let's go through uh, the other upsides which we have. 
existing members will not be dumped on because new members will always only be able to sell their NFTs after the existing holders. So if at any point in time, I or the team are giving you any concerns or any, um, any reason why you would want to get out of holding the NFT, then you will be the ones who are able to do that first. None of the guys who have bought in uh, in phase two will be able to do that. So you guys will always be able to be the first ones to evaluate after six or 12 months whether or not you want to stake again and you want to stake and you want to continue part to participate or you want to get out and you want to take the profit. And we also have the risk reduction for new and for older holders, meaning new holders buy in at an 80% discount of the floor price. So even if the floor price caves in and crosses down 80%, they still break even. And in, you know, in return, the existing holders benefit from more people minting and a higher mint price, which retroactively means that you also got a discount on the price you currently have. And, and you know, it, it's no coincidence that a lot of this is um, overlapping with the tokenomics, which, which we've seen in Snickerdoodle, in Orki, in Godzilla, and so on. You know, a lot of these learnings have come from analyzing those top two projects and how they protect their early investors. So, and what those mechanics mean is that, and, and again, this is not financial advice, this doesn't mean that there will be any returns on, on anyone buying the NFT, but what this means in return is that VBV now becomes attractive as an investment itself, meaning if you can buy an NFT at 80% below floor price, if you have the slightest belief that the project will still be here in one year and the existing holders won't sell because they like the utility and they continue to use the utility, then you will be in big profit after those uh, 12 months lockup, right? So overall, it's, it's just, a, I think, a great deal for both sides and it's going to allow us to use that financial attractiveness as leverage to build up more... Um, more exposure for what we're doing. And it's going to, again, allow us to put more people at the top of the funnel where we can then screen them and ensure that we really only get the best people in. And, you know, again, a high floor price means that we have established a certain prestige around VVV. It means we will attract more eyes and publicity and, again, more people at the top of the funnel. And that's pretty much everything regarding the explanation about uh, the season one mint, season one, uh, phase one, and the upcoming season one, phase two. And whether or not, you know, phase two will be like a fixed date in the future or whether or not it's going to be like continuous process where, you know, every time we identify someone as a valuable member for the community, we allow them to, to, to mint with the discount uh, that's yet to see. But to me, it's super important to just get the concept out there and allow you guys to find something that would be wrong with it. So that before we implement it, we have the um, capabilities of adjusting and refining it. And let me again just read briefly through the questions and then we'll we will dive into um, some of the Shark Tank questions. Right. Whilst you read through, I'm going to have to bow out. Um, I've got a, an event that I need to get to right now. Uh, so again, thanks for everyone. I think we've got a peak of, it says 192 plus the four others on there. So 196. So we've nearly reached 200 people for a non-project, just general town hall meeting, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So thanks all for listening in. Hopefully it's been insightful for you. And uh, for those who've missed uh, part of the AMA so far, uh, I aim to post the edited version onto Spotify and Apple Podcasts within a few hours after the close of the call. All right. Have a good evening. Have a good day. And uh, see you all soon. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you. And talk to you soon. Yeah. Pleasure as always. See ya. Bye-bye. All right. Someone, <clears throat> Nox has been asking about how do you get more than one dolphin. So. There's um, two things which can currently qualify you for uh, multi-mint. The thing to keep in mind here is that all those snapshots have been taken already. So 
you cannot influence uh, the multi-mint quantity by buying anything on the secondary market. All of those NFTs, uh, all of those collections have already been snapshotted. So, um, you know, with me giving you the info, please don't go on secondary market trying to buy something uh, to get more uh, VVV NFTs. Uh, that's not going to work out. Um, but if you have been owning um, a Quantum Pass or a Neo Tokyo Citizen, I think before, and I might be off on the date, Helena will be able to confirm this. Um, I think if you have been owning uh, Quantum Pass before May 24th and a Citizen before May 24th, then you will be able to um, complete our multi-mint form. And again, ping Helena to get that form. Um, and if you complete that form, you will be able to provide your wallets for either multiple quantum passes or for multiple uh, near Tokyo citizens or for having uh, a quantum pass and a citizen. And you will then have to prove your ownership of those FTs. And we will double check if they have been included in the snapshot. And then you will be able to get one mint per quantum pass and one mint per Neo Tokyo NFT. And okay, so the Quantum Pass and the Citizen do not have to be in the same wallet, but you will have to send out 0.001 ETH out of one wallet into the same wallet just for you, or just for us to confirm that you actually have control over the wallet and that it's actually yours. Yeah, so <clears throat> Vesha is asking, um, given that the dolphins have multipliers, am I correct to assume that dolphins with multipliers will eventually be able to invest higher max allocation than sharks? Yes, that's true. The, the benefit for the sharks is the guaranteed allocation. They will not have to do first come, first served. They will not have to attend AMAs, for example, to get an allocation. They will be able to lean back and will be always able to max out their, you know, whatever the maximum is for that allocation uh, without um yeah going through some of the hoops which we might put in place for the regular dolphins and the question has come up again who is the artist behind the nfts uh, it's a girl <clears throat> which i found on fiverr um she has been incredibly um capable in executing on the things i have envisioned and i think she has delivered an you know incredibly polished um, array of different assets which then make up the entire collection and you know for me it was you know i didn't want to waste time on the the nft art i also don't want an artist to get a piece of the royalties or anything like that because i think the you know the true value comes from the utility of the nft so the while the art to me is secondary i think i still ended up with picking someone who is uh, executed executing excuse me, who has executed something which looks infinitely better <laughs> than a lot of the other things which are out there uh, in the NFT space. Uh, someone is asking if the investments from Neo Tokyo count uh, towards the investments in VVV. Uh, the answer is no. Uh, the investments in Neo Tokyo have been facilitated uh, through a different initiative with different mechanics in place. Um, they will not count towards VVV and the investments inspector will also not count towards the investments uh, in VVV. Um, yeah, so Talona, if you completed the ultimate sheet already, then you will have to go through the ultimate mint sheet, find your name, and double check if the numbers next to your name are aligning with how many NFTs you have. Yeah, so Ice Frost, to answer your question, you can send those zero, zero, 001 ETH uh, to the same wallet. You know, um, it doesn't have to be the, the premium wallet. You can, you can pretty much just send it to yourself. That's the easiest way. So someone is asking or stating you should get two more. My understanding is that sharks and whales get plus one dolphin for each. Um, so <clears throat> if you have a shark roll, it also automatically means you get one of the dolphins. If you have a whale roll, you will also get one of the dolphins. All right, guys. So now let us jump into 
um, the first couple of questions of the shark is I think um, the academy has already come a long way, even though it has been just been set up like two or three weeks ago. Uh, and I'm ex extremely thankful and also impressed with the progress everyone has made and especially with the effort and the enthusiasm everyone has put into completing the homework. I mean, you, you guys have been absolute superstars in watching the movies, completing um, the courses or reading the books and answering the different questions about the different videos we have. And it has been an absolute uh, delight uh, reading your homework submissions. It, it's uh, To me, it's, it, it's just mind-boggling how many capable and smart people we have in here. Uh, I'm really, really thankful that the Academy has, has found so many active students and that everyone is so appreciative of the different lessons we have um, created so far. And I know there has been a little bit of a, not confusion, but a debate around some of the shark test questions and the respective answers. And to many people, it hasn't been super clear why one reply would be better than the other or why one reply would qualify you as a shark. So I, I want to start, you know, very briefly um, go through some of the questions and make a couple of comments and, you know, ideally discuss some of the answers uh, with some of you guys just to have a little bit of a back and forth regarding how and why you would answer questions in a certain way. So the very first question is, um, the very first um, statement to which you reply to <clears throat> is, I generally feel guilty about my own happiness if a friend tells me that he or she is feeling depressed. And now you have to answer with either agree or with disagree. And now all you have to do really is always think about whether or not what, however you're replying is going to mean that you're holding back in your life. So if you feel guilty about your own happiness, that means that you will be restricted in what you share about yourself and your accomplishments. And it might either directly or indirectly hold you back in what you even want to accomplish for yourself because you feel guilty about doing so. If you have someone around you who is consistently making you feel bad for doing things, you know, it's, it's going to disincentivize you from accomplishing more. Because the more you would accomplish, the worse you would feel around that person. And, and again, you know, a lot of the things you're going to learn in the academy is not going to be something that you like and it's not going to be something that makes you comfortable. It's going to expose many things where if you think, think about it and you think it through, it's going to lead to you having to make a difficult decision in your life. And this has come up in the academy chat you know, someone has asked me, what do you do if you have someone like that around you? And if, you know, even worse so, if someone like that is close to you and the, the harsh answer, but, you know, the, the truthful answer is that, you know, if someone is holding you back like that, you, you have to get rid of them. And there might be reasons, there might be circumstances which either that person or which you cannot influence for that person to get better. And then you have to make a decision whether you want to compromise on your own potential for what you can do with your life. And you want to compromise for that person to make, you know, that person more comfortable. Or you want to cut ties with the person for you to be able to fulfill your full potential. And these are not easy decisions to make and these are not decisions which I can give you guys the answer for. I can only just tell you about what it means and what it means for you. If, if you have a, you know, if you have one person that's super close to you that's holding you back like that, it's going to have a detrimental effect on what you can achieve in your life. And even worse so, if you have a couple of people like that around you, you know, if people like that are, are your friends, you will have an incredibly tough time in accomplishing anything so you know no matter how tough the decision is my my answer to this would always be to uh no matter who it is even if it's your mother if it's a father if it's your sister if it's your significant daughter you know it, it comes down to how bad do you want it and how highly do you think of yourself 
to me the to me the the response to the question is to me super easy because you know I don't feel I don't feel guilty you know about talking about my successes that's for sure and if you feel guilty either directly or indirectly it means you're going to hold back from whatever you're doing or from ever you are setting out to accomplish in your life. And by the way, guys, you know, I would be super happy if someone came in uh, on voice and would argue the op op uh, opposing side. You know, I, I think the most value we get is if someone disagrees. And, and, you know, one thing is for sure as well, I'm not Mr. Miyagi. I don't have the answers for everything. I'm not right all the time. And I don't know a lot of things about it. I don't know a lot about a lot of things. I only know a lot about very few things. And I know a lot about what it takes to become successful. I've studied successful people for years. And I, you know, I've achieved a certain degree of success um, on my own. And I've seen the benefits of making difficult decisions which lead to better outcome for me personally. <clears throat> so let's go into the next question. The, the second statement in the shark test is, I frequently find myself not telling others about my good luck so that they will not have to feel envious. And, you know, that's pretty much the same thing as for the first question. Um, you should never feel bad about accomplishing things and you know even worse so you should not feel bad about talking about it and if you're surrounded with the right people you will see that once you share your successes they will be even more happy because they will not have a scarcity mindset where someone becoming successful takes away from their own success if you're surrounded by successful people every time you share your successes they will be happy for you and you will not be incentivized to hold back but you will be motivated to accomplish more so that so that you can share more and you will also feel you know and this is something i think that comes up a little bit later in the test where the question becomes about if someone else succeeds do you think that you have missed out and that's something which me personally it has taken a, a long time to overcome that you know if, if i if i think back and if i if I've seen someone else um, accomplish something or succeed at something, you know, I, I always had a feeling that, oh, God damn it, I, I missed out. And why is that guy successful and not me? But once you get rid of that mindset and one, once you have been, you know, achieving a little bit of success for yourself and you have been growing that success, you understand that you should be happy for everyone who's getting successful around you because that means that you're in the right environment for success. If everyone around you fails, you know, that's not the, the environment which motivates you to do more. And th this goes back to one of the statements I've made is that many times people, people think for you to own the biggest building in town, the only way to do so is by destroying all the other buildings in town. But really, the only way to do so is by focusing on just building the biggest building. And this is really what successful people focus on. They're not concerned with what everyone else is doing. They are only just doubling down on what they can accomplish themselves. So the third statement in the shark test is, I have trouble saying no to people. And again, you have to agree or disagree. And this comes down to how much do you let other people steer your life? If you say yes every time someone wants something from you or someone proposes something to you, then a lot of what you're doing and a lot of what you're aiming for is going to be steered by external forces. And, you know, Steve Jobs and a couple of other successful people have said it in different ways. I think Steve Jobs said it with, you have to say no a thousand times before you say yes. Or someone else said you have to say no to everything and I concur with that very much because by saying no to everything you're going to free up your own mind by pursuing those decisions and to pursue those goals which you have set out for yourself and not to pursue things 
or to accomplish things or by, you know, even doing tasks, which other people have put on you. So by saying, <clears throat> and obviously I don't mean this literally, but by saying no to everything, you're going to free up a lot of capacity in your life to pursue the things which are important to you and not the things which are important to others. And that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, transition or grow into an asshole or you don't have to uh, disappoint or leave your relatives hanging and so on. But the truth is, the more you say no, the more successful you're likely going to be because you're going to have more time and more focus to get on with the things which you need to do in your life. And the next statement in the shark test is, before getting down to work on a project, I suddenly find a whole bunch of other things to take care of first. And again, you have to either agree or disagree. And I think there's a super obvious one. If you're always getting distracted with other things, then you're not going to work on the main thing which you need to accomplish. And I think this goes hand in hand with whether or not you're actually doing the, the right thing in your life, whether you are following your path or whether you're following the path of someone else, i.e. if you're in university and studying something which either has no application in the real world or which is just studying to please your parents or which is just studying to get an, a certain degree, then of course you will always find someone else to do because the thing that you need to do is not your main point of focus and you don't see any value in accomplishing it or in... Um, um, in completing it but one and you will find this you know once you have something you know whatever hobbies or whatever things are fun to you or whatever things you enjoy doing um usually you don't have trouble focusing on those right you know especially you know i think the easiest example and probably the worst example but you don't have you don't struggle in focusing on playing a video game I think that's something which most people can relate to. There's no struggle in trying to focus on that. You're not, you're not getting distracted by your homework when you play a video game, right? It's usually the things which you don't enjoy where everything distracts you. you know, I would much rather clean my room than do my homework. And you know, all of a sudden, you have a thousand things to do before you get them to the main task. I think, you know, falsely, a lot of children and a lot of people get mislabeled with ADHD, for example. And, you know, I thought, you know, I generally thought I was, I don't know, like stupid <clears throat> or I, I had ADHD because, you know, for the life of me, I could not focus on anything which I've been taught in school or in university. It just was impossible for me to do. But <clears throat> once I've started building my own business, I was losing track of time. I had no troubles focusing on anything. I was laser beam focused on building things and um, providing the best results to my clients and so on. So, you know, the entire concept is extremely flawed and super, super hurtful, I think, to, to everyone in the educational system that, you, that you're forced to learn things which are not of interest to you and that teachers cannot communicate with you what the actual value is in what you're learning. And the truth is that in, in, in the many things you're learning, there is no value in them. So no one actually has any motivation explaining it um yeah that's uh, i think that's a pretty obvious one <clears throat> and the next one is something which i think aligns to some degree with um the recent homework um or the, the recent movie uh, which we watched which was the speech by steve Ballmer. and the statement is i tend to believe that people who look out for themselves first are selfish and now again, you have to agree or disagree. And I think this, you know, these are like scenarios, uh, scenarios and terminologies like alpha male, for example, which easily will trigger people because of their past experiences and because of the frameworks which they have been taught in school. If you think that everyone who's looking out for themselves is selfish, then you will be hard-pressed to actually look out for yourself. And the truth is, if you are not looking out for yourself, no one else is going to do it. Because no matter what 
terminology of what framework is politically correct. The truth is that regardless of how goody two shoes this society wants to present itself or the government wants to present themselves, at the end of the day, you have to look out for yourself. If you're not looking out for yourself, then you're going to get lost in the path of, of, of other people. And you're not going to be able to, to follow your own path to success or to uh, you know, self-fulfillment and whatever, you know, whatever it is, how you de- define success in, in your life. And I think this is, that also comes back down to the terminolo- terminology that's used and what it actually means and what you have been taught what it means. Because many times people think when I talk about success, then I talk about money. And to me, success is not, my, it's not about money per se. Money naturally comes with being successful. But you can be successful in very different aspects and in very different avenues in your life. It, it's not always tied to money. You can be successful in being a, a, an extraordinary mother, for example. You can be successful in running a charity and so on. But every time that you want to be successful in anything, you have to look out for yourself and you have to be sure that whatever you're doing, you free up enough capacity to do it in the best way possible. If you're distracted by the agendas, agendas of others, or if you're afraid of speaking up for yourself, or if you feel uncomfortable in doing things which are important to you, then you will have a lot of trouble in actually getting there and actually succeeding in what you have set out for yourself. And just to to touch on the the video of Steve Ballmer and the, the terminology of alpha male, I think a lot of people have tied very negative connotations to the term being alpha. And I think a lot of people also have bad experiences with loud mouth and pushy people either in their schools or in their work environment or maybe even in their families where these people have made feel you very uncomfortable and maybe you have also seen those people get what they wanted while you have missed out on whatever you wanted. And those pushovers in life which you have met, or excuse me, those, those, people have made feel, those people who have made feel you like pushovers, those are not alpha people. True alphas do not make, do not have the need to make other fe- people feel um, down. And they do not need to, to bully. They don't need to put people in their place. <clears throat> they only care about, and you know, again, this sounds selfish, but they only care about themselves, meaning they do not care about what you do, how you succeed, and they don't need to put you down. They don't need to talk negatively about you. And true alphas also do not talk about people in a negative manner, even in private, even in privacy, I, and, you know, to some degree, I I regard myself as a successful person, but, you know, please don't uh, mistake me, um, you know, naming myself in that context, you know, I still have a long way to go. I'm still way off from where I want to be. So, you know, I want to give you the, the, the truth and the right context here, but even in privacy, I do not feel any need to talk about anyone other than if it's something positive. And you will find if you observe the people you're surrounded by, if you would prohibit them from talking about negatively about other people, most of them would have nothing left to say. And that's a super, super bad statement to make. And this is also something which it's a process in actually getting rid of that. And it's, if you're surrounded by the, by the, not by the right people, it's also very difficult to get rid of that habit of talking negatively about other people. And you will find that if you, you, know, if you continue to, to study successful people in our academy, you will find that not one of those people have spent time in talking negatively about anyone. All they focus on is realizing their own potential and building the thing which they have set out to be, uh, excuse me, which they have set out to achieve. So 
if you want to be successful and if you're on the track to be successful, you do not have time to talk about other people. And you also do not want to waste your energy by talking negatively about anyone else. So I think this is a, a very important lesson to take away. And maybe this is where we stop today is one of the very first steps to getting into the right mindset is stop talking about anyone else. And if you, if you really need to talk about someone, then only do so if you have something positive to say and try to catch yourself. If you're getting lured into those kind of conversations by the people around you and you have to, and you know, the, the Academy is going to make you aware of things which are going to make you increasingly uncomfortable because the more and the closer you observe the people you're surrounded by and the friends you have, you know, you might, and again, you know, the dynamic in here might be slightly different than if you talk about the general public, but what you might observe is that many of the people, maybe even the ones you're closest to, they are not actively helping you in achieving your goals. And more often than not, they might even be the ones who are in your way. And this is an extremely sad realization to make, but it's also an extremely important one because if you're not getting past the ones or around the ones who are in your way, and even worse, if you cannot identify who's actually holding you back, then you will be realizing somewhere down the line, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years, that, oh my God, I've held back my entire life or I have compromised my entire life for that person or I have, I have been held back by my social and economic environment and I wasn't able to see it at the time and I have lost years and years of my life where I could have spent that time already working on the thing which I really want to do in my life. And maybe this comes through, but uh, through, but you know, a lot of the things which I'm saying they come from personal experience, and they come from me realizing that I wasn't being surrounded by friends which had which had any positive impact on what I was doing. Most of the time, it has been friends which have been holding me back. You know, and even subconsciously, you know, these people do not do it on a you know most of the times they don't do it um, consciously. They, they hold you back just by the, you know, as, as sad as it sounds, but they hold you back by by how they are and by how they have been raised and by how they have been brainwashed by the current educational system. And I, I'm not a guy for, you know, I don't like conspiracy theories and, you know, I don't talk about politics. And frankly, I don't care about politics. I only care about the things which I can influence myself. So, you know, I'm not trying to instill any you know, conspiracy theories here and you, all I'm saying is that I would recommend to start focusing on yourself and start focusing on other people who have been successful and look at what they did, how they did it, and how they treated their family and their friends, how they had boundaries in place where, you know, let's say, for example, Walt Disney, which we have studied in the academy, where a lot, a lot of you guys think he had work-life balance. But the truth is, while he has been building Disney, there was no balance. There was one thing only, and he only focused on that one thing. And then once he had a family, what he did, what he did with Disney, that was his life. And, you know, just coincidentally, his family happened to play into that and become a part of what he's actually building. You know, it's very easy to uh, integrate your, your children once you're building Disneyland, right? <laughs> like the, that's something where there's natural synergies. But make no mistake, whenever he, he spent time with his family, he made it count. And I think that's also something which you have to cover in the future where you have to start being very efficient with your time. And it's not by, you know, being a good father, it's not spending x hours with your family or with your children it's actually spending the time you spend excuse me it's actually making the time you spend with them making it valuable 
you know, I would have, I would much rather have preferred a father who would have spent one hour per month with me and have dedicated that one hour 100% to me and be 100% focused on me as a child than having a father who's just around and who's just there and watching TV and, you know, being in the same room with me, but not really spending time with me. So, you know, the definition of time and spending time and being efficient with time, that's going to be become increasingly more important the more you actually end up working on whatever you want to do in your life to become successful. And let me just read through some of the comments here before we call it a day. And um, and the town hall meeting. Yeah, so there's a a little bit of a discussion going on here where uh, APEP uh, says those who are intimidated with the word alpha don't have confidence in themselves. And then we have the counter argument: those who are really alpha don't feel the need to call themselves alpha and don't get anything out of the label themselves. And you know, both of these statements are true. You, you will not see Steve Ballmer labeling himself as an alpha male. You know, that, and this is a, actually that's a that's a really good point. You know, someone like Steve Jobs, like Steve Ballmer, these people do not fit any of the labels, and they don't feel the need to call themselves X, right? They don't need to call themselves alpha. They don't even need to call themselves entrepreneurs or visionaries or icons, they are only focused on themselves and what they do, not on how you describe what they do. And, you know, the flip side is that we have to use some words to say things, right? So we have to use something to actually describe the thing. So we will not get around the term alpha. We have to use it to actually talk about the thing, right? We cannot use any or we can use other esoterical terms, but at the end of the day, we will end up with a word which describe which describes what we are talking about. So both of you, both of you are right. Um, you know, and true alpha doesn't need the tag alpha male attached to them. But the flip side is, if you're not comfortable with describing someone else as an alpha male, the likelihood is very high that you're not an alpha either. So you better get comfortable and get, get used to attributing at least others, the term to them, and also measuring yourself on a scale on, you know, are you getting closer to becoming an alpha yourself, or are you drifting farther away from that? Because one thing I can assure you, no matter, you know, how you feel about the term alpha, there will be no benefit to you to becoming a, a super beta person. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have girl interrupted uh, who is asking, and, and this is also a good point. So let me let me read it out first, and then let me make a point. Uh, a little bit in the spirit of looking out for yourself. Could we please come back to my question from the first part of the meeting that was not answered? Is there a chance to give the opportunity to invest into Snickerdoodle for those who joined the server late, or excuse me, too late for the original round? And so I answered this a little bit earlier. Uh, maybe I didn't do it in, a, in the most clear way, but we have around 15K, which I bought extra for VBB. And we will distribute those 15K amongst the people who have minted and staked their NFT. And I'm still thinking about whether or not, you know, they will be just prepaid and, you know, randomly gifted. Uh, to people who hold and stake the NFT or whether or not we will have a small chunk which will be up for grabs on a first-come, first-off basis. Um, but I will think about a way um, where a couple of more people can get their hands on uh, some of these Snickerdoodle allocations. And the point I wanted to make with that statement is um, there's a very true saying which goes like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And that means Many times, whoever makes themselves be heard is getting the thing. And I think many people have been taught by their parents to not speak up or that speaking up is a bad thing. And, you know, if you want to get anywhere in life, you will have a much, much easier, easier time if you're not uncomfortable with speaking up and if you're also not uncomfortable with raising your voice, and this, you know, I, I mean this figurative, 
figuratively, but also you know in, in the in the sense of the word itself. If you are always someone who is not capable of speaking loudly or speaking with confidence, you know, chances are you're not going to get what you want. Even if you're just going to, to a restaurant and you're ordering your food, if you're not speaking up, you know, you, you're not getting hurt and you're not going to get the thing you ordered. You know, you know they, they might mess up your order. Uh, you might ask for something which you want to get changed on your meal and then they didn't hear it properly or you didn't reassure that they actually heard it and then you get something else so you don't get it adjusted the way you wanted it. And a lot of the things, even the small things in life, come back down to, to all of the things we have, we have been discussing. You know, the closer you get on the continuum between beta and alpha, the closer you get to being alpha, the easier even your everyday life is going to get and the more of the benefits you're going to reap, which sometimes are small, but are going to make your life a lot more pleasant. So, and even in the server, you know, don't, do not be afraid of speaking up and do not be afraid of asking for more noddle, for more snickerdoodle, because chances are, if you're not asking, you're not get, going to get anything. And if you're not asking, you know, I don't know what you want. And if the community is not capable of speaking up, even worse so, if the community is continuously silenced or if critics are getting continuously, continuously silenced, we're not going to get to where we want it, and I'm not going to be able to give you guys what you want. So, you know, all of those lessons which we make, I know are also going to indirectly or directly benefit the community as a whole. So, you know, I'm going to, to double down all the different uh, nuances which I can read through the, the lines from general chat and from all the text chats and, you know, from the homework submissions and so on. Um, and I will follow the path of the lessons which have been the most important ones to me uh, on be the way of becoming more successful. Uh, okay, let me double check. Someone, Draken is asking, can we get a five-year NFT stake option for reserved whale NFT? Whether claiming it would be 0.5 ETH cost or whatever the later ETH price is. I'm playing on being a whale, but not there yet. Oh, okay, okay, so you want to... Okay, so for the... Um, I have to think about this. Um, we have 29 whale NFTs left. Um, before I make any comments or decisions on that, um, I will have to wait and see what the floor price of the whale NFT ends up to be. Um, I've thought about a couple of different solutions. Um, you know, similar mechanic where the whale NFT would be available, for example, at 50% of the floor price. Or if none of the whale NFTs are up for sale, you know, the whale NFT would be able to be purchased at 10K, for example, uh, 10K US dollars. So I'm, I'm still elaborating on how we go about best um, distributing those. But I, I will not hand out the whale NFTs to people who are not whales or not to people who are not in a position where they can pay an outrageous amount for the NFT because I want to assure that we do not have people walking around with super high max allocations who cannot afford to lose that money if one of those investments might go wrong. Um, so regarding the numbers, we will have 100 whales and we will probably have around 200 to, to 300 sharks. I haven't um, decided on the numbers definitively yet. I still have to run a couple of uh, permutations of the math of the allocation splits and so on, um, but it will be somewhere in that range. Um, okay, so will there be any allocation of Snickerdoodle reserved for the blockchain fund? Um, as of today, no, mm, because there might be some, um, what's the right terminology, there might be some conflict of interest. Um, I cannot go into detail of that yet. Um, if there's a conflict of interest, we will sacrifice an allocation for the fund for the other benefit from that conflict. 
Um, if we will not end up having that conflict, we will probably buy more snickerdoodle, not in the strategic round, but maybe in the private round later on um, for the fund itself. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for the, if you guys hear the, the thing in the background. Uh, I think it's my neighbor's thing. Uh, I'm not sure how it's called in English, but the thing which you, which the wind like moves and then makes noises. Bravium uh, says he wants to be a shark by speaking out. You know, talk is cheap. You know, talking only gets you so far, right? It, it might get you what you wanted, uh, what you want in some instances, uh, but other things can only be earned by actions and not by talking. And I think in the NFT space particularly, there's way too many people talking and way too many people not being aware of what the definition of taking action is. And that's also one of the next lessons which I have lined up is the definition of taking action. A lot of people think that thinking and pondering and organizing and planning are taking action. And that's not true. Only taking action is taking action. Um, okay, so before I roll it up, the last comment here from Coco. I would love, uh, I would love it if we could have a place in the server to track all all investments in one place with cost, price, totals, vesting, etc. Happy to help make this document if need. Um, yeah, so we are currently already working on a dashboard where you can paste in your Discord ID, and then it will show you all the investments you have made today. And it will also show you the vesting schedule, how much you invested, um, the valuation price, whether or not the TG has happened, at which uh, X or at which uh, price it's currently trading and so on. So that's already in the works. Um, it will, I don't know how, how long it's going to take us, but you know, anywhere between the next one or two months, uh, the dashboard is going to come live and then you will be able to track everything and we will also use the dashboard then to facilitate all the future investments where the claiming uh, will be directly tied in with that and you will be having an even better uh, claiming experience than you have already. Uh, yeah, hold. I think uh, Discord actually has just rolled out a text in VC feature. So I will look into this and um, then we uh, will have a dedicated channel for the questions. That's a good point. Yeah, so Jan Premru is asking about the 80% uh, refund feature being available to existing holders. Uh, the answer is no. And the, the, the reasoning here is that um, one is uh, we want to get new people in. I don't want this to be a circle jerk where you know, all the value and all the money is just going around in circles amongst the holders. I want new money to, to come in to make the project stronger. I want new brain power to come in. I want the community to grow and to be um, able to evolve. And the other reason is that you guys already get all the NFTs which you deserve. You know, we have to, we have the leaderboards for a reason. Everyone is getting, you know, at least in, you know, it might be off here and there, but generally speaking, everyone is getting what they have earned or what they deserve. So if you want more than that, then you have to go on the secondary market and you have to buy whatever you want. But you already got what you deserve, what you earned. So there's no really, really no reason why you should get even more than that. And and again, you know, get another discount, get another few NFT stakes. I think at some point we have to, you know, to to draw a line and to say, okay, this is all the value that has been generated for the season one, phase one minters, and you benefit from all the new people who come in directly and indirectly. You don't need to benefit from a discount on the floor price as well. You know, at, at some point we are, you know, it, it, at some point it gets too Ponzi scheme-like where, you know, everything just becomes one ginormous circle jerk and, you know, yeah, it, it gets too much into, into fears, which I don't like that much. Yeah, Draken, I, I think your best bet if you want the whale NFT is to make enough money to buy it on secondary in five years. <laughs> I, I don't think that I, I will have something where you can reserve it today uh, on the you know, potential of you becoming a millionaire in the five years. I think the, you know, the best thing is to set out that goal for yourself and then 
being capable of, of buying it as soon as possible with the money you make. All right, my friends, this has been a, a long uh, Tornor meeting. Again, I, I appreciate everyone listening in. I, I'm super honored by the extremely high attendance rate we have. We still have 175 people, which to me is just insane. Uh, I don't know what to say, guys. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I truly, truly appreciate you guys being here. I enjoy building VVB so much. Uh, you guys know how much this means to me. Uh, when I go to bed, I think of VVB. When I wake up, I think of VVB. Uh, when I eat, I think of VVB. <laughs> um, you know, all my energy is in building this, and I'm building this for the community, for everyone involved. And I'm very much looking forward to making this the most successful crypto project uh, in the crypto space. Thanks you, thank you once again, guys. And we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This recording has been prepared by VVV. The recording is made available by VVV and is for information purposes only. This recording should not be considered as an offer or solicitation to sell, buy, or subscribe to any financial instruments or product, securities, or any other derivative instrument, or any other rights pertaining thereto. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future value or price of any instruments referred to in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers, or employees, do not accept any liability for any loss arriving from the use of the information. The information contained therein, including any expressions of opinion, have been obtained from or is based on sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy or completeness is not guaranteed and is subject to change without notice. Any expressions of opinions reflect the views of the speakers and are not necessarily those of VVV and are subject to change without notice. Any decisions made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not be influenced or based or any view expressed by VVV in this recording or otherwise. This recording does not address all risks. This recording does not institute investment advice or a recommendation that has been prepared without regard to individual financial circumstances, objectives, or particular needs of listeners. Listeners should seek their own financial, tax, legal, regulatory, and other advice regarding the appropriateness or otherwise of investing in any instruments and or pursuing any investment strategies.